You're listening to 106.9 here on Tune FM. I am lucky to be joined by a very special guest here in the studio today, none other than Her uh, Her Excellency, the Honourable Margaret Beasley, Companion of the Order of Australia and King's Council, Governor of New South Wales. Her Excellency has a long and distinguished career in law and has served as a role model for women in law at both the state and national level. In addition to being the first woman to sit exclusively in the Federal Court of Australia, Her Excellency was also the first woman appointed to the New South Wales Court of Appeal and the first woman appointed to its president. In 2020, Her Excellency was made a companion of the Order of Australia for her eminent service to the people of New South Wales, particularly through leadership roles in the judiciary and as a mentor of young women lawyers. Thank you for speaking with us today, Your Excellency. It is an honour and a pleasure to have you here. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here on such a beautiful campus. We are extremely lucky to be living on a very, very beautiful spot, that's for sure. So how you enjoyed Armadale so far? Look, I could be very colloquial and say I've had a ball, and I'd be very accurate in saying that. Oh, that's terrific. I'm glad. And what is your favourite thing that you've experienced about UNE so far? I've met so many people. Sure. I've been into so many different institutions. Institutions probably a bad word. Organisations is probably much better. Right. And at the end of the day, it's always the people. The people make every event that we go to uh, across such a wide range in the community, doing so many different things in the community, an enormous amount of volunteer work, and also an enormous amount of work which keeps the community going in so many ways. So I could probably light on absolutely every single organisation we've been to and said it was absolutely inspiring, uh, interesting, a great way to see the achievements and also to be very conscious of all the challenges that various organisations in the community have. No, that's terrific. And I understand that you are going to see a lot of the New England region on this particular visit. I believe you're visiting Urala as well as obviously Armadale. You visited Inverell, is that correct? Yes, we went to Inverell yesterday. Beautiful town also. Marvellous. Yes, it is. It is a lovely spot. Why do you think it's important to visit regional areas of New South Wales? The answer to that really relates around the role of the governor. Sure. And... The governor, of course, has a a range of responsibilities. We distill it down to a saying that it's three C's, constitutional, which you can understand, relates to the legislation, the interaction with the government, uh, the the roles that are actually uh, contained within the New South Wales Constitution. It also uh, is a ceremonial role, and you can take that to, you know, the various, for example, Anzac Day uh, ceremonies. That's a classic example of a ceremonial role. And then the balance of the time uh, is the community role. And you wouldn't be the governor if there wasn't a constitutional role. But by the same token, it's the, the, the community role which takes up most of our time, and rightfully so. In terms of getting out into the regions, if I just sat in Sydney and maybe went on a bit of social media and read a newspaper or two, I might find out what was going on in the regions, but you don't really. Of course. The only way to really engage with people is to be out there and with them. That posed a challenge, of course, during COVID. Yes. It was a challenge for everybody. (laughs) Just a little bit. In different ways. Interestingly, during COVID, uh, we had more meetings than we had the previous year. 
and that's because we didn't have the travel time between different um, towns and villages. Sure. And it was very useful, and it was certainly a way of, of, of keeping a momentum and maintaining some form of contact and sometimes very important contact. But there was one thing about COVID which I thought was even even in the way we did it. One problem I have with any, any Zoom-type call is there's not a great deal of spontaneity. So during COVID, whenever I had a spare half hour or so, I would ring the, the mayor in the particular area. So I went all around the state uh, just making chance calls to the mayor, hoping they'd pick up their phone and hoping they'd believe it really was me on the end of the phone. And it was during those much more spontaneous interactions that I got a real feel for what was going on in the regions during COVID. I could get the big picture from the Zoom meetings, but it was the spontaneity of the calls, which to me were very, very significant. And it was much more personal as a result. You can almost then relate that to what goes on uh, when you actually visit a region. You're you're talking to people, you're walking around, uh, you're seeing what actually goes on in a classroom, in a particular program in a classroom, what's going on in industry, uh, how that industry is actually building the town uh, and or what challenges challenges it might pose for the town. All these things sort of come together and you see those firsthand. The relevance of seeing them firsthand is, and I often explain this, I can't actually change things in a community, but I can do a lot of listening. And when I listen, that's when I, as I said, pick up the achievements, hear the challenges. And I meet with ministers as part of my constitutional role. I meet with ministers every week and I can take back these stories. Uh, I can say, oh, look, I, I went to this school and I saw what they were doing in this program. I saw the Clontarf program. I saw the Stars program. Went to another school and I saw this, you know, special education program. And I can say, it's working well. Or I can say, if this could just be replicated or if they could just get some um, assistance in this way, I can't provide the assistance. By, but by always feeding that information back to the ministers at that level of government, it at least keeps them attuned to what's going on because the ministers can't be around the whole state all of the time. No, of course not. And I would imagine that the challenges and achievements of people within regional areas of New South Wales can a lot of the time be quite different to those of people living in urban areas because the lifestyle can be quite different depending on whereabouts you live or the area that you're living in. Oh, there's no doubt. I think... The one challenge that you don't have in the regions is traffic jams. Right, yes. And you should be very grateful for that. (laughs) We very much are grateful, that's for sure. And, and of course, housing is a big problem in the regions. Housing is a big problem in the city, but the way it's dealt with, then the solution has to be very different because of the very different needs, the very different demographics, the different geography. But housing is nearly always at, at the top of the list. Healthcare is the other one and you know we we know that there is a shortage of doctors in regional new south wales there's a shortage of dentists there is sometimes a shortage of allied health care we also see how in many ways the allied health care is what is keeping the health of the regions together 
Now, what can I do about that? Again, I say nothing, uh, nothing directly. However, when I meet with students, when I might be at a graduation ceremony, when I might be talking to Year 12 students, I can talk to them about the wonderful careers that they're obviously going to have in their future, but maybe just think outside their own bubble and think of practicing, going to the the regions for two or three years. And I can talk to them about why they'll love it and why they may even stay. You might never know. And so in that way, you can sort of just get this, I, I suppose, soft, some people call it soft power, but this soft power story just working through the community, which wouldn't happen if I wasn't out myself, understanding what are the problems in the, uh, or the challenges in the, in the communities. Which can then be brought back to potentially ministers or people that might be able to provide assistance in some way or another. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I would personally, I would definitely um, uh, spruik the benefits of living and working in the regions. Uh, as the governor said, no traffic jams, which is always good. Um, we can be at work in five minutes, which is something that um, is not would not be particularly usual for people living in the city, I would imagine. Um, governor, you uh, one of the reasons for your visit up here to New England was uh, your work as patron of the PCYC and I understand you're also uh, very supportive of Girls From Oz. What drew you to those particular organisations? There's a history to that. Okay. Uh, the way the patronages work is that uh, with the change of each governor, the governor uh, is able... In fact, the patronages, patron organisation, patronage organisations have to reapply for the continuation of the patronage. I took the view that... Any organisation which had long-standing patronage obviously deserved a continuation of that patronage, even if at that time I hadn't had any connection or sometimes even great knowledge of what that organisation was about or what it did. So that was my my first uh, way of thinking about how to engage and be engaged with a particular organisation to be patron. And then, of course... During your time as governor, you meet many more organisations and some of those then come in and ask for patronage. PCYC has had a, a long-standing patronage um, you know, of governors of New South Wales. And so I can say that was a no-brainer. You obviously take it on even for that re- reason. I'd not been directly involved with PCYC, but I knew quite a lot about it. I mean, you see signs, PCYC, all around the place. I essentially knew what it was about. But having visited quite a number of PCYCs around the state over the last number of years, you can see the positive benefit that it has and the way that it really needs to continue to be supported and to grow because the benefits are probably not quantifiable as such, but what it does for an individual at a particular point of time is quite amazing. It is a way of are bringing young people in and having them engaged and having them involved in healthy activities, you know, sort of fitness activities and the like. To be very basic, if they weren't otherwise engaged like that, they 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 may not have other activities or other interests that uh, might keep them out of trouble. And it does have that yeah. effect because some children 
do get into trouble. It's uh, children from across all social uh, levels of, of, of the community. I don't like to talk about Australia having social levels, but of course, some people are, are better off. Uh, some people don't have you know the same economic challenges or the same health challenges, and sometimes people need more support at particular times of their life. PCY. PCYC does that. And here in Armidale, of course, it has a couple of other extensions. So they've got the the old guys club and the old girls club. It's got exercise programs for that. They've now got pickleball. and But what that is also doing, which I think is quite fabulous, is many of those people who are going, the older people who go and do the exercise program were already volunteers there. But by then getting involved and actually doing some of the programs, and it's not only available to those who had been volunteers, it's terrific. It brings in, it engages across ages, which I think is very important in a community. And it gives everybody a chance to participate in a way of feeling more engaged with their community. As Absolutely, no doubt. Uh, we've certainly seen that from a variety of ages. We PCYC obviously is welcome to all, which is absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I understand, uh, Governor, you attended last night's Pride in the Park event. Was that correct? I did. Did you enjoy that particular event? I always enjoy the Pride events. Yes. It's just so much fun, although... I was saying to uh, Jack, my my colleague, this morning that I didn't think through my uh, outfit for the day. Oh dear. There I was, dressed in very basic navy blue, and I really should have been wearing the the jacket I'm wearing today. It's <laughs> very very colourful and and pride themed. It was, and we were very we were very lucky because it was Armadale's first official yes um, pride event, which was terrific, and hopefully we we'll see it continue uh, further on because that again it it, it uh, is very community based and it allows people to feel more engaged and welcome within the community, which I think is very very important, especially for people uh, in regional areas. And I understand that as we mentioned um, uh, at the start of this uh, story that you uh, have been a role model for years and years and years as uh, a, a, a f- uh, for women who uh, practice law and fem- and women lawyers. Is that something that you believe deserves more attention in this day and age? If I could tell you the difference between when I started law and today, you'd be on different planets. Sure. It is, the change has been that dramatic. However, I still find too frequently in the community that there are more challenges for women in many professions than uh, than for males. That came out to me, and I've noticed this over the years. The uh, the CONTAF program, for example, has been working well for a long time in many schools and has had great success. I have struggled to find an equivalent program uh, in schools for young Aboriginal girls and that's why I was particularly interested in uh, engaging in this with the STARS students yesterday at Inverell High School and the difference that that has made to those girls in a term really is almost light years of difference and they were talking about it and they were engaged and they were becoming engaged with school they were becoming engaged with each other and increasingly becoming engaged with the community You've used the word engaged. I've used the word engaged. Again, as I've worked in and around and with the community, it really is my very strong belief that the more engaged a person is with something 
in the community, the, the happier they are. Uh, you know, they feel much more connected and much more a part of the community. So, and I don't, to me, it doesn't matter whether engagement is playing croquet uh, or it's down helping, you know, doing the sausage sizzle at the PCYC. It doesn't matter what it is. Engagement, I think, is absolutely key to having a really cohesive community. I can't speak myself on the benefits of croquet, having never played, but I can say <laughs> a good way to get people engaged is to give them a sausage sizzle. There's no doubt about that. They are extraordinarily popular. <laughs> you can probably find one at the, at the croquet clubs, actually. Well, there you go, best of both worlds. So you have engagement uh, on two different levels, which is terrific. Uh, Governor, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We cannot uh, overstate how much of a pleasure it has been to have you here. And thank you. Thank you very much. It's a great honour. You're listening to 106.9 here on Tune FM, the home of UNE's student-powered radio. We, of course, want to thank Her Excellency for being able to squeeze us into her busy schedule. Her Excellency also wanted me to pass along that if you are a fan of live music, Government House has the best jazz in Sydney. There is a jazz event on the first Sunday of every month called Jazz at the House from 12pm to 3pm, three different sets, and it is free entry. So definitely pop down there if you can and you want to hear some amazing jazz. This is 106.9 Tune FM.